Our gospel comes to us from Matthew, the 18th chapter. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained the one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is the gospel for today. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort, a word of challenge, a word of hope, and a word of leadership for our lives. Make our hearts soft and plant your word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Life together in community is hard. It's not easy. Life together, particularly in the church, is many things. It is joyful, it is relational, it is good and beautiful, and it it allows us to be part of something bigger than ourselves, to, to come together with others to make a difference in the world. Life in community means that we're not alone in our rejoicing, nor are we alone in our sorrows. Life together is many things, but Easy is not one of them. And Jesus knows that life together is hard. And that's why here today in Matthew 18, Jesus begins to to train, to teach his disciples how to live together and how to respond when things get hard. Not if, but when. He knows that there are times when we may hurt someone or be hurt by someone. And this word is every bit as much for us today as it was for the disciples back then. And not just for life in the church, but for our lives always. And it's so important because I think the world often has some things that it tells us about how we should react if someone hurts us, right? It might say, uh, if someone hurts you, you should hurt them back. That vengeance that Virginia talked about last week in her message Maybe the world says we should just cut them off and abandon them and move on. Thankfully, Jesus gives us a far better way. And what's fascinating is if you look at what Jesus says uh, in the gospel just before and just after the reading we hear today, it's so interesting. Before this, Jesus talks about lost sheep. And if there's 99 but one is lost, you go and look in that returning to the community, that forgiveness. And just after today's reading, what we're going to hear next week in worship, I'll give you just a sneak peek. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. And Jesus said unto him, face palm, not seven times, Peter, but 77 times. Can't you just see the disciples like taking mental notes and they're thinking, okay, so 76, you forgive, 77, we forgive, but 78, we're done here, moving on. And Jesus says, no, he goes on to remind them about the infinite forgiveness we have received from God. And if we have received so generously, 
We are not to put limits on our willingness to forgive. And this is great theologically. This is great theologically, but today Jesus speaks practically. Next week he gets all theological, but today, thankfully, Jesus gets practical. What do I mean by this? Well, in our Romans reading today, we heard, uh, we heard uh, Paul quote Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. And after this, next week, Jesus is going to go on to talk about forgiveness in a way that seemingly has no limits. And theologically, you could say it's all about love. It's all about forgiveness. And this is great, and it's beautiful, and it is not easy, right? Think about it this way. How many of us believe in generous forgiveness theologically, right? Most of us. Now, uh, how many of us struggle with that practically, yeah, all the hands should go up. If they don't, let's talk afterwards. You can tell me your secret. Because people do things in this life that make it really hard to love them or really hard to forgive them, right? You know, I think about examples in life. Maybe you've had this experience where you're going on a trip, so you have to go to the airport, and that brings its challenges, right? And you're going with your family or your partner, and you're looking and you're hoping you're going to be seated together, and you notice your tickets have you all spread out in different seats apart, and you think, Oh, it must have been inevitable because the plane's full. But then you get there and you notice that your seat, these people are clearly a couple, but one of them paid extra for the window seat and one paid extra for the aisle seat and they stick you in between them and then they talk over you the whole flight. It's really hard to love them. Or maybe you've got a neighbor that's a really swell person, but they think a holiday like Labor Day is a chance to start leaf blowing at 7 a.m. when all you wanted to do is sleep in. Really hard to love them. But in all seriousness, we all have that experience where hurtful words are said that can't be unsaid, or where there's a, a friend uh, who, who, who breaks your heart and breaks that trust. Maybe we're the one who sometimes has made a mistake and wounded someone else, even in the church. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> my wife's laughing about one of those things that happens to us. Uh, Jesus is saying today things that are practical. Right? He says, I know that in the church, as perfect as it may seem, there will be times when conflict happens. And, and yes, you're to love one another. Yes, you are to forgive one another. But there also might be times when there needs to be accountability and, and reconciliation and a process for that. So how are you going to respond? And in this kind of three stages Jesus outlines, we, I see three essential gifts, three components he gives us. Prayer, presence, the presence of Jesus and people. And what Jesus prescribes here is totally, I think, countercultural to what we see so often in the world. What he teaches runs opposite of what we all too often are encouraged by the world to do, or even those tendencies that lie in our own hearts. And it's beautiful. And to help us really grasp the magnitude of what he's saying here, I think it's helpful to compare what maybe we're encouraged to react like in the world sometimes versus how Jesus teaches us to respond. So kind of the first thing, when someone hurts you, the world might say you should cancel them, unfriend them, and also don't forget to assume the worst about their motivations, right? <clears throat> That's important. But what does Jesus say? Talk to them. One-on-one, -on -one, sit down and have an open, honest, but caring conversation. <clears throat> it's like Paul says in Ephesians 4, we are to speak the truth in love. And then the second <clears throat> step, Jesus says, if the situation isn't resolved, then what? 
Now the world might say, then you start the gossip train, right? Tell everyone and anyone who will listen how wronged you have been. And, and also remember to go to social media and start slandering and mudslinging because that'll make you feel a lot better. <clears throat> Although it doesn't. What does Jesus say? Talk more. You notice a pattern here? But this time you can bring maybe a friend or two trusted members of the faith community to help you work it out together. And then the third thing Jesus says, you can if it's still not resolved, you can take it to the church. And if not, then what does the world say? The world would probably say, time to go nuclear, cut them off, hold that grudge forever, dig in. But what does Jesus say? <clears throat> Let them be like a tax collector or a Gentile. Because there are times when we may have to separate from others, from someone as the only healthy path forward. And that doesn't mean that forgiveness can't happen. There may be times you've experienced in your life where you desperately want someone's forgiveness and you are so sorry, but they refuse. And in those times, maybe that's when we have to trust that God's grace is sufficient. But what's fascinating here is how does Jesus treat tax collectors and Gentiles? He doesn't write them off and treat them without hope. Without invitation, there's always a door open. And through it all, we see these three gifts Jesus gives us of prayer, his presence, and people. So as we look at those, I found it so interesting, this teaching about prayer. Why does Jesus say something so profound about prayer right here, right in the middle of this thing about forgiveness and conflict? He says, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Why say this here? Because prayer is essential. He's saying, don't go it alone. Bring it to me in prayer. Friends, so often when we hurt and struggle, we want to fix it on our own. Right at the moment that we should be turning to God, often we end up turning from God. And there's different reasons that we do this. Maybe, maybe sometimes we blame God, saying, God, where were you in this? Or how could you let this happen? Or maybe we have a sense of shame and guilt and, and we want to hide that from God. Jesus says, no, bring it to me in prayer. I'm with you in this. Not just in the good times, but in the hard times as well. You are not alone. Which brings us to the second piece, Jesus' presence. Jesus' presence in this beautiful verse for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The presence of Jesus. How does it change the tone of a difficult conversation if we are gathered in Jesus' name, in prayer, and we know that he is sitting there in the room with us? It changes everything, doesn't it? Which brings us to the third thing, people. Other faithful people in our lives, it is so important to have other Christians that you can turn to, that you can pray with and walk with when things get difficult. And I am so thankful for this in my own life. I don't know where I would be today without these people. It's like Paul says in Galatians 6, that we are to bear one another's burdens. Prayer, the presence of Jesus, and people. Because life together, it's not about always agreeing you know, it's not, it, it, what it's really about is it's about not giving up on one another, right? It's about loving one another enough to talk through those difficulties when they arise. And you know what's great is that Jesus doesn't just talk about this 
theologically. He models it practically with his disciples and shows us how it looks. And when I think about that, what always comes to mind is Peter. Poor Peter always gets to be the guinea pig, you know? Do you remember the story where Jesus first predicts his death and his passion? And what did Peter do? Peter tried to rebuke him and talk him out of it. And notice what Jesus does not say. Jesus doesn't say, you know what, Peter? I guess I picked the wrong guy. You're out. No. What Jesus said was, Peter, that's not in the Bible. I just assumed Jesus did that. And then he says, you're being a stumbling block to me right now. You're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He talked with him about it and then, and then brought the other disciples in and they talked together and used it as a chance to learn to grow together. You know, sometimes people say, it's the church. The church every, in the church, everyone should always love one another and always just be nice to one another and get along. But in reality, Jesus knows that life together is hard, but he also knows that it's worth it. He knows it's not the easy path, but it's the best path. And he never expected the church to be perfect. But you want to know what's more amazing to me than a community of people that just always get along and agree on everything? What's far more amazing is a community of people that love one another enough to forgive and to reconcile even after hurt has happened. That is amazing. To do that for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus, the one who reconciled us to God, that is what's truly remarkable. And I'm not just speaking theologically, I'm speaking practically and personally because, friends, I get emotional when I think about my time in the church and my relationships with people um, from the past or even people here at Good Shepherd who cared enough to seek out reconciliation when there's been hurt between us. What I've found is, is, ironically, I have a much deeper love and respect for people after that reconciliation than I would have had in the first place if we'd never had the conflict because we've been through something together. And it's amazing to know that someone loves you enough not to give up on you, to tell you the truth in love. And it's that kind of transformative, reconciling commitment to our life together as Christians that makes the church such a beautiful light shining in the darkness. So as we go out this week, is there someone that the Spirit is inviting you to forgive or to seek forgiveness from? Is there some place where you need to let Jesus in, where you're trying to go it alone, and he's saying, bring it to me in prayer, I'm right here. Are there people that you can turn to, that you're trusting to, to pray with and bring these things together in? Because remember, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with you. And whatever it is, Jesus' presence changes everything. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, it can be hard to do life together. We don't always agree or see eye to eye, uh, even when we share the common ground of our love for you. But Lord, you teach us what it means to, to love one another enough to be reconciled to one another, to work through things for the sake of the kingdom. Lord, wherever there is forgiveness needed in our hearts, give us the strength to do so. Remind us of how much you have forgiven us in the past, today, and into the future. God, let your love and forgiveness be a transformative agent inside us, making us people of forgiveness, shining your light and love to the whole world. 
In Jesus' name we give thanks and we pray. Amen.